0: this is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Speak, my Lord, tonight clearly. Holy Spirit, enable me, I beg you, to unveil the irresistible beauty of Jesus. To cast the stars of his charms in front of every person here. In your precious name, amen. So I have some thoughts to share with you tonight. You guys love the word. I know who I'm with, the Jesus Church. (laughs) So I just have some thoughts I want to share with you. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. You know, when I was young, I used to put on my my dad's shoes and try to walk in them. You know, I'd be like real little, wearing a man's shoes. It's really hard to walk in those. That's very similar to how I feel tonight. I feel like I'm in uh, in Michael's shoes. (laughs) So I feel uh, a little inadequate tonight. But uh, if you'll give me your attention... I'm going to give you all I've got, and we're going to talk about Jesus. So tonight, I want to talk to you about the precious Lamb of God, and I want to encourage you in the same of the things that you already know. It is so important that we emphasize and love Him. Charles Spurgeon said we can never emphasize Him too much, and that comes from a man who wrote volumes and volumes upon this Christ of ours. So, I'm not here tonight to preach about politics. I'm not here tonight to preach about BLM or COVID 19. I'm not here to preach about end time prophecies or the natural disasters that have been so weird. I'm not here to preach about conspiracy theories. There's a million of them. I'm not here to preach about myself. I'm not here to talk to you about my, quote, experiences or my thoughts on life. I've come to you to preach the name above every name. I've I've come here tonight feeling like Song of Solomon chapter 1, verse 6, where she says, don't look at me. That's how I feel tonight, because even in my best moments in life, those best moments are still vile next to the perfections of Christ. So it makes no sense to ever preach ourselves. Paul says we do not preach ourselves. And so the last thing I want to do up here is stand up here and try to preach me. I want to grab this book and I want to open it wide. And I want the man Christ Jesus to be so radiant divine that your eyes get blinded again tonight. You've already been blinded in this worship. I pray now you be blinded by the word. The twofold blinding, may it happen to you tonight. Yes, the Christ. So I'm here to preach and proclaim and lift up Jesus above all things. Listen, it isn't until he's lifted above all things that he can be everything for you. People want him to be everything, but they won't lift him above everything. It's like, Lord, I want you to be all to me, be all to me. But they don't lift him above, above all the things. If he's going to be everything, he's got to be all the things. So we want to hold on to some things and keep him as another thing. This happens to all of us. We slip into these moments in life, and you can tell when you're in them because life just starts draining out of you. You want to know how to tell when life starts draining out of you? Well, your desire for him starts to wane. So people ask us sometimes myself and Michael why do you guys only preach Jesus it's like you only preach one thing again and again and again and again I I can't tell you how many times I've called Michael and I've said what are you going to preach Jesus (laughs) I know but what Jesus and some people will say to us you know why do you only preach Jesus listen I would be a fool to let go of an ounce of gold for a thousand pieces of paper Even though an ounce of gold is only one thing, it's better than all those other things. It's more valuable and more precious than a thousand sheets of paper. It's this one piece of gold. Though a thousand sheets of paper can take up more space. And there's a lot more of them. But the one to the many is greater than any. It's just him. It's his value that makes sense. So, an ounce of gold. Christ is our gold. It's interesting, too, that in Song of Solomon, when she describes him, she says his head is gold. He's very precious. He's very valuable. So he is more valuable than wisdoms. Right now, this is important. Everybody's got something to say. He's more valuable than wisdoms. He's more valuable than good works. He's more valuable than kingdoms and blessings. He's more valuable than protection. And he's more valuable than safety. What do you mean? I mean, what has to have our attention above all things, even the stuff that makes sense, is that Jesus has our hearts and he has our attention. Let me explain it like this. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christ as I believe in the Son. S-U-N not only can I see it, but by it I see everything. What does that mean? It means I can tell you where the sun is because I can see it. But because of the rays that come out of that sun that I can see, I now can see other things. Christ cannot be just something that we look at. He's got to be the means by which we see everything. And so when we have this in our hearts and, it, and it's settled like this that's when we know we're a christ people because it's sitting at his feet and staring at the sun that enables you to be able to see everything else in its right perspective and then you can start making wise decisions and doing what's right and responding rightly to things does this make sense to you yes. i just think it's important so there isn't an item Listen closely to this. This is very special to me. There isn't an item on the earth that excels the smallest smallest item in heaven. You following me? You take the best thing that the earth has and it doesn't excel the smallest thing that's in heaven. But there isn't an item in heaven that excels or is greater than the smallest measure of Jesus. He has set his glory above the heavens, which means even being occupied with the, quote, heavenly type things is still too low. I see this a lot. People get pulled here and there into things that are spiritual and forget the spirit. It's so funny how we can be so spiritual we forget the Holy Spirit. It's so funny how we can be so heavenly and forget the king of heaven. I'm not here to rebuke anybody. I'm here to charge you guys with what you already have in your blood. I'm here to tell you guys that you're on the right track. Because I know if you're here in this place, you've chosen fellowship here tonight, you already think this way. So I'm here to encourage you in the same. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going to read a portion of it. This is from the King James Version. It says, unto you who believe... Unto you who believe, he is precious. He is precious. Unto you who believe, he is precious. Peter just tied together your faith and your value of Jesus. However a man values Jesus will expose you or show to you what kind of faith he has. A man may think he's like really strong in faith. I'll tell you what strong faith looks like. Jesus is precious to me. Unto him who believes, Jesus is precious. This means that those that do not have a deep value for Jesus, it's because their faith is weak. And you begin to find in your life, I found it in mine, That when my faith begins to wane or get weak, my trust in God begins to be attacked or begins to get neglected, my value of Jesus is the first thing that starts to go. What do you mean? What does it mean to not value Jesus? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If spending time with Jesus is not number one, how is Jesus number one? It doesn't make sense. Oh, he's everything to me. Well, is, how does that look like in your life? I'm not trying to say everybody needs to live in a cave and seek God in a cave and not come out and do normal things. I'm saying that he should just be first thing. And I'm not saying that if you don't pray first thing in the morning, you're, you don't love Jesus. What I'm saying is that it's a heart that desires the Lord first above all things. And it comes out into every aspect of life unto him who believes Jesus is precious you you can't tell me it's like this if you go to somebody's house and he talks about basketball all the time this guy's like I'm a basketball fanatic I know everything about the NBA you go to his house and you say hey do you have a basketball he says no I'm say, well you don't have a basketball no I play ball every day I says do you have any basketball shoes no Do you know where there's a park around here? No, I don't. Like something's not right here. You're a basketball fanatic. You don't even own a ball. In the same way, if Jesus is precious to us, it should be difficult for me to walk up to you and say, what has he said today? And you say, I don't know. Because he's precious to you. His words are valuable. More than a thousand pieces of silver or gold. His voice is precious to you. It should be that I walk up to you and I say, what has he said? You tear up and say, I just can't share it. I'm sorry, it's precious. (laughs) This word that's used here for precious, unto you who believe. Say this with me. Unto you who believe. He is precious. The word that's used here for precious is extremely valuable. It's very costly. And because he's most precious, he is highly prized. Highly prized. I pray that even tonight, what has already been happening to you, and what is happening to you now, that your eyes will be opened to see that there are more with him than with anyone else. What does that mean? That there, are, there is a numberless multitude that surround his throne, worshiping him day and night. I pray you see it tonight. I pray your eyes open, and you can see There is far more with us than there are with them. A numberless multitude around his throne, worshiping him day and night. There's a man upon the throne, and every eye is looking at him. (laughs) And every song is unto him, and every knee will soon bow to him. See, he transcends all things. Therefore, he must be the means by which we see all things. That's the emphasis I have tonight that because he's so precious to us he infiltrates everything about us people say eric it's 2020 man there's a lot going on right now listen to me jesus is better than a million perfect worlds to have his presence is is even better than living in a free country i would much rather have his presence in solitary confinement than be a king without it You have the most precious thing in the entire universe. The presence of the Holy Ghost. The presence of the Holy Ghost makes Jesus real to you. The presence of the Spirit is Jesus' personal appearance to you. As a matter of fact, when you read the actual language, when Jesus is speaking about the Spirit... He speaks to them and he uses this word that only has to do with personal appearance. So when Jesus says that the spirit will come, the spirit is literally a manifestation, a revelation of the person of Jesus in your life. Fellowship of the spirit is everything. So I pray that we would turn our eyes to him and enter into that sense without sight. Do you know what I mean when I say the sense without sight? The early Christian writers used to say, grant me the imageless vision. Doesn't sound like it makes sense, but what they're saying is, there's a faculty in my being that is far beyond anything that can be communicated by senses in the natural. Grant me an imageless vision. I need to perceive you. That sense without sight, something that's even deeper than seeing you. Whatever it is that Jesus gives to us in the Spirit being given to us, he says it's better than him being here physically. In other words, there's a conviction thorough by the implantation, implanting of the Spirit on the inside of you that is even greater than him standing as a man in front of you. What does that mean? There's a conviction so deep in a faculty of your being that transcends natural senses. That's how you know you're born again the spirit testifies to my spirit that I'm born again I know that I know that I know I am you can't even tell me anything that can shake it it exists in my blood even deeper than senses I know he's alive that's what the spirit does that's how we can tell what his voice is like too because it, it comes the same way I know that I know you can't you can't change it in me it's there so this this reality of his presence is it it's literally like tasting immortality. I mean you go to work some guys got drunk last night they come to work and they're like man we got we got drunk last night what'd you do I tasted immortality is what I did. They won't they won't understand what you're saying. <laughs> to feel his unsearchable greatness, <laughs> to tremble at his holy judgments, and to throw ourselves upon his mercy. That's what we do. So I pray that we would all have a new tonight, actually just put your hand on your heart and say this, Jesus, give me a new understanding, a new admiration of your condescension This word, condescension, is very special because it means to come down. And we admire the love seen in God coming here. And when you realize that God came here, that meditation itself will cause the hardness in your heart to crack. The meditation upon the fact that he dwelled in light unapproachable and then became a fetus that meditation itself will break arrogance in your life. Lord. To think on these things is to, it exposes the hidden sense of entitlement. We have this in our blood. We're all like this. It's, it's there. It flows in there. It's, it's called Adam. Yeah. Yeah. But when you meditate upon this humility... That would leave heaven and come to the earth. And you let this by the Spirit sink into you and be impressed by God's power upon your person. It breaks all that stuff. This is what we need, guys. We need this badly. I don't know what's coming. I'm not here to prophesy what's coming. But I'll tell you this. His presence is better than a known way. I would much rather have his presence than even know what's coming. I, at one time I was in prayer and I was blissed out, you know, just stuck in glorious, frozen in sweetness. Didn't even want to move a finger. I thought I'd never move a finger again. I'm like, I will never move again. <laughs> and the Lord whispered in my ear and he said, do you want to know what's coming? This is about four years ago. He said, do you want to know what's coming? And I thought, whenever the Lord asks a question, when you don't answer Because he's trying to expose something. That's why he asks asks questions. It's not like he doesn't know something or he wants you to know something. He's exposing something about you. And he says to me, do you want to know the future? And I thought, I don't know what to say. So I just said, oh, Lord, just give me you. Because no matter what comes, if I have you, I'll be fine. So I don't know what's coming, but I do know this. We have his presence So I pray that he would delete our need to understand. Some of you are, and I say this because I'm one of you, we're humans, so I can say this because it's in me as well. Some of us get so bothered about not knowing what's coming, and we get so bent out of shape about what's coming, what we do know is coming, what we don't know is coming, and we forget to put our trust in his power and sovereignty. Listen, even the bad stuff works for your good if you love him. So therefore, there should never be anything that happens that turns our hearts. Because if you really believe that he is God above all, and there is a numberless multitude surrounding him, and all things are worked after the counsel of his own will, and as David said, all things are his servants, even Nebuchadnezzar is his servant. Even Pharaoh is serving his purposes. I'll use you. When you believe this, you're free. And you can trust him and you don't have to worry about anything. Knowing or not knowing, it's all the same. I've got you, Lord. (laughs) Praise God for the gospel. It is a shout of victory. It was Martin Luther who wrote, Evangel, gospel, is a Greek word meaning glad tidings, good news, welcome information. It is a shout, something that makes us sing and dance and talk about it and rejoice about it. When David defeated Goliath, there was a great shout in the land. And an encouraging message was passed around all over the nation, among the Jews, to say that their terrible enemy has now been killed and that they had been set free into the the liberties and joys of peace. They can enjoy their lives and thereupon they sang, they danced, and they were merry. And then he goes on and he says, similarly, God's gospel in the New Testament is that Christ is the true David. David who has slayed sin, who has slayed death, who has slayed the enemy. And the gospel is the singing, the dancing, and the joyful shouting that he has won. That's what the gospel is. It's not the beginning of the thing. It's the announcement that it's all finished. And now we here, we spread it around. He is won. He is won. He is won. won. Goliath's head is off. Can, can, I, can I step on some toes real fast? Is it okay? Are you guys okay with me stepping on toes or should I just kind of... Step back a little bit. Okay. Listen, only a bride that is not confident that her husband can protect her will put on combat boots. What do you mean? I mean, if he really is all powerful, then all I've got to do is bow at his feet. If he really has a sword that can slay all at once, why am I picking one up? What about the armor of God? Go look at the armor of God. There's not one single offensive weapon that belongs to you. As a matter of fact, every piece of the armor has to do with believing what he did. If there's any battle, the battle is a battle to believe that he won the battle. (laughs) Eric, could it be that good? I'm here to announce to you Goliath's head is off. But it's just, the the crazy thing is is that that nobody wants to believe this all the way. And we we get in all these little things and we start getting involved in them. All the while, what we're doing is not believing that Jesus is really enough. And that he really can do this thing himself. So I pray that he would delete your need to understand. And that you would look at him in love and trust his power and his sovereignty. Do you know at the end of Andrew Murray's life... When he was dying, his favorite daughter, he had many daughters, his favorite one that used to write out his books for him, he would speak them, he would pace back and forth and pray. Some of you like this kind of stuff, I'll tell you. He, was, he would pace back and forth and he'd pray with the word and his daughter would be sitting there typing and he would go back and forth and he, or writing and he'd go back and forth and he'd pray and he'd stop and he'd say, write this. And he'd speak by the spirit and then he'd continue on praying in the spirit, reading the scriptures, stop, write this. And this is how many of his books were written. And his favorite daughter was the one that was writing all these things for him. And at the end of his life, he's dying and he's about to pass on into the next life. And he looks at her and the last words out of the great South African teacher's mouth, the conclusion of his life were this. God is worthy of trust. You can trust him. Praise God for all of his writings. But if he just said those That one last sentence, it's enough. God is worthy of trust. You can trust him. Why? Because he is precious. He is of great value. There's nothing that comes close to him. So he is a a man of pure delight who takes away sin stains. His radiance expels the night and his pleasures banish pains. This is our Jesus who is above all. So I guess what I want to do tonight and what I'm trying to do tonight is to fill, fulfill Proverbs 19:22. The scripture says so that your trust will be in the Lord. I have spoken to you today. So that your trust will be in the Lord. I teach you these things today. So here's the end all of what i'm trying to say and i'm going to continue on a little bit a little bit longer but this is what the core reason that i'm coming to you tonight i feel god wants to infuse your faith to remind you that he is one to remind you none of these things are taking him by surprise he's not in war right now in the heavens like oh i can't get this done he doesn't sweat He's not palpitating. He's not in a chess match that he's not sure if he's going to win or not. The whole thing's arranged. And we need a fresh understanding of this because it will keep our hearts right and humble and broken. And we'll be able to respond the right way. There will be no fighting because there's no one to fight with. Because you have a a, a one who is one already. And he's more precious than all these other things. Are you trying to tell me that there is no opposition from the enemy? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that even when the opposition comes, what the opposition is trying to get you to do is stop looking at Jesus. The only thing he can do is try to get you not to believe what is already. So all his works are trying to throw wrenches in your believing Jesus to be precious and valuable and enough. But he is. And the more that you look at him, him, the more you realize that to be true. So I come and I want to just encourage you to put your trust, put your trust in Jesus. You can trust him, you can trust him, you can trust him, because to them that believe he is precious. There's a story of a, of a woman, she's served in this church for many years and she's on her deathbed, she's about to die, the pastor goes to see her and he kneels down next to this dying woman and he says to her, if you are to die, what will you say to the Lord? Are you sure you're going to go to be with the Lord? The woman says this. She goes, you see these hands? With these hands, I have fed my children. I've served in the church. I've fed the poor. I've given in the offering plate. I've read the Bible. I've served my husband and and, and, and my church all my life with these hands. So when I get to God, I'll just show show him my hands, and then he'll understand and he'll let me in. The pastor says, that's really sweet of you to say that. He says, but there's, there's just one problem. He says, God only has eyes for hands with holes in them. And he says, why don't you take your trust out of your hands and all they've done and put them in the hands with holes? See, that's, yes, it's a wonderful gospel presentation. But you know what it also is? It's life for us. That's now how we live. We live this way. The gospel doesn't just make us alive. We live by it. Right. It's not just something that we, oh yeah, I know the gospel already. No, you live always remembering the gospel. Martin Luther said, I know how easy it is for one to forfeit the joy of the gospel. Reminding yourself of the gospel and what he has done, his condescension. I'm telling you, it will, it will, it will keep you. It will protect you. See, it is isn't our efforts. It is isn't our fighting it isn't our struggling that accomplishes anything. It's His blood and His stripes and His cross and His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, and His sending of the Spirit that accomplishes everything. And if we'll just trust that, we'll see that we have all that we need. There's a, there's a quote from Hannah Whithall Smith from her great classic Christian Seeker of a happy life. She said, truly, listen closely to this, this is good. Just as truly as he came to bear your stripes for you, he has come to live your life for you. She says, you are as powerless in the one case as you are in the other. You could as easily have got rid of your sins as you could now accomplish righteousness for yourself. Christ and Christ only must do both for you. He's not just righteousness for you, he's righteousness through you. And the gospel brings you into him being your righteousness, but meditation upon and living in the gospel causes him to become righteousness through you. So it becomes very simple. And you say, "Eric, if there's no nothing to do, what I mean, what do I do?" You worship. <laughs> what am I supposed to do then? You worship. And then you shout out that he's one. And you go tell everyone that he's one. So we preach the gospel in worship, and we worship him alone. And there it is. The whole of the matter is right there. But everybody wants it to be a little bit more complicated. I'll tell you what, what, what stumped me up for many years was not being able to believe that it's this simple. I kept saying to myself, but, 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 but. Remember, Oswald Chambers once, once wrote... Man is offended that God does everything and asks nothing of him but faith. Are you serious? All I've got to do is believe. Remember, what do we do to work the works of God, Jesus? Just believe. I know it's going to be hard for you guys because you want to be involved and you want your fingers involved. But let me just tell you something. I'm going to do it as a man perfectly for you. Put your trust in me. And it's simple as this. So there's a, uh, there's a poem I love from Streams in the Desert, and it says, not as the athlete wrestling for a crown, taking heaven by violence of will, but as a child with your heavenly father, sit down and know the bliss that follows, be still. Just to rest in his arms, to lean back against his chest, to enjoy the sweetness of his voice will make you more powerful than all the sweating sweating, and spitting and jumping that you could possibly do as a human. <laughs> to just rest in his arms. I'm telling you, it's the secret place. It was Thomas Manton who said, Christ must do it all or we're prisoners forever. And I believe that to be the case. When somebody doesn't believe that Jesus is enough, they start setting things in motion in their life. They start doing things in their life because they don't believe and rest in what Jesus has done. And these things that they do, they may look really great on the outside, but they're resisting the righteousness God gives on the inside. See, a counterfeit coin may be more pretty and percentage presentable and shinier, shinier than a regular coin. But it is still worthless. And so this happens with so many of us, and I've slipped into this in my own life. Instead of just believing and trusting in Jesus and letting him be life through me and cause something called fruit <laughs> that comes by just yielding in him and abiding in him, and then you find out that you do more on accident than you ever did on purpose. That's what fruit is. The tree says, oh, snap, I got another apple. I didn't even know. (laughs) While other people are trying to make a new plastic apple to put on their desk and say, look at what I've got for you. But if if somebody comes to eat it, they're going to find out really quickly it's not real, because you made it. But if you will yield, he'll make them. (laughs) And you don't even realize you're walking according to the fruit of the spirit. You're not like, oh, yeah, that was love. Now I'm going to move over here. This is peace. You just, it's just you. Because he's woven it into the fabric of your being. You are the thing. God is wanting to make you into something far more than he wants you to do something. Sometimes God doesn't, doesn't even tell you what to do. He just makes you what you need to be. <laughs> Lord, what do I do? What do I, which, which way do I go? And he's just making you exactly what you need to be in the mo- for the moment. How precious is Jesus? I recently just was reading Psalm 127 again. You want to look at it real fast? Psalm 127. Michael told me to take my time. Is that okay if I do that? You guys, is this okay for you? I hope you feel that freedom is around you and you can breathe it in if you want to. I hope you feel that the gospel is electrifying. I hope you feel that weights, unnecessary weights are coming off of you. I hope you feel that your straining and striving is getting speared by the gospel. And I hope that you just breathe in and out and rest and relax and know that Jesus is enough. And you can just enjoy him. Somebody just, actually, I was on a trip and he asked me, he says to me, he's my friend Bradford, he says... What is the biggest thing that was difficult for you to get over in your Christian life? I said, really? To be honest, it was difficult to me to, for me to actually believe that all I have to do is enjoy the Lord. That's worth a whole semester in Bible college, in my opinion. So, Psalm 127 here. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. Do you see the origin here? It's got to be him. You can build, but it doesn't, it's not real. You're building with your imagination. You're not even in the realm that things work in. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. You can even try to protect yourself. Do you see this? Because that's what the watchman would do. It is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. Look at this. But he gives to his beloved, or the ones he loves, in their sleep. Are you seeing this? Jesus shows us that faith is the way to work the works of God. And here we see that the ones that love him and works are set separate from each other. You can work and build the house, or you can be a beloved and let him do it. The ones that love have God work for them. The ones that don't believe try to work for God. Are you trying to say there's no works to do? No, I'm trying to say that when you yield to the Spirit, these things effortlessly come out of you. And it begins to be a joy instead of a a strain. He's not looking for Olympians. He never was. He's looking for a bride. Someone who will love him. So my works are vanity. He does the work. My efforts for myself are vain. He must guard me. In other words, I must trust him. My striving in early rising or staying up late or painful labors is worthless. Working worry is worthless. Three W's for you. Working and worry are worthless. But if you will trust, he'll give to you even while you're sleeping. The gifts of God, if, if I was going to say to my daughter, I'm going to give you a gift that you didn't earn, and to show you how much you didn't earn it, I'm going to give it to you while you're sleeping. In other words, when you're doing absolutely nothing, I'm going to bestow this for you. I'm not trying to encourage people to do nothing. I'm trying to encourage them to let Jesus be everything. This doesn't mean you don't get a job. It means God will show you what job to, to get. It doesn't mean you don't work in your workplace and be the best worker. It means that because of the fruit of the Spirit, you will be the best worker. (laughs) One more. Turn over to... um, Oh, you don't have to turn that. I'll just say it to you. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 20, the portions of the land are being given out. And when these portions are given out, these men receive something that they can settle in, put their family in. They got cattle. They'll get crops from the land and this is their portion of life their share in the inheritance but when it comes to Aaron God says to him you get no portion I am your portion now this Aaron is a priest did you know that you're a priest revelation chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that to him who loves us and gave himself for freed us from our sins he has made us to be a kingdom of priests Unto his God. You are a priest, which means you don't get a portion in this land. Your portion is God. Your portion is from another place, not this place. Which means, this is what it means. If you're looking to be fulfilled by things of this land, you're looking in the wrong place because your fulfillment is from a heavenly land. If you're looking to settle and gain from this world, that's not what God allots to you as a matter of fact he's saying if you're trying to find your fulfillment satisfaction peace and joy in this land then you're no longer a priest but the priests don't look for the things in this land they receive Christ as those things Christ is our portion now does that mean you shouldn't do investing no It means that your internal satisfaction and focus of your entire life is on the man Christ Jesus, whether or not the whole world crumbles. It doesn't mean that you don't do wise decisions with your business. What it means, the reason why I have to say this is because when you say things like Jesus is enough, he's all, everybody's like, I'm not going to do anything anymore. I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to send a raven. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Just love him and follow what he tells you to do. It's as simple as this. And if I could say that dangerous statement that St. Augustine said, I'll say it to you and I'm going to do it right now. He says, love God and do what you want. Why? Because when you love him with all of your heart, he will come in and give you the desires of your heart. You'll be purified by your gaze being fixed upon the Lord. And then he switches your desires on the inside of you. And then you can follow him. And when you find that something's leading you away from him, you're like, no, 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 no. I love him. There's a a story of a a king who stands over a uh, servant. The servant is basking in the the sun. And the king stands in the way of the sun and casts a shadow over the servant. And he says to the servant, he says, I want to give you anything you want, up to half of my kingdom. What do you want? And the servant looks at the king and he goes, King, the only thing I ask of you is that you don't block the sun. Just please move over. What does that mean? It means that this world is the king that comes to you and says, I'll give you whatever you want. But our view of the world is this. Just don't stand in front of the son of God. God will give you many things in this life. He will bless you tremendously. But the moment the shadow is cast over your face and they've blocked the rays of the sun, then you know you love the world. But when your eyes are fixed on loving God and you keep your face fixed on the the radiance of His face, then you're free. And you have the liberty and joys of the Spirit in your life. The Lord is our portion, He is the way the truth, and the life. There's a, uh, there's a illustration that Thomas Manton, I believe, uses. Actually, I think it's, it's in a book by Thomas Manton, but Spurgeon is writing about it. And so he says, when people want to love God, a lot of times what they'll try to do is chisel an iceberg into a river. he says you can't chisel an iceberg into a river but if you push it into the sun then the sun will melt it and the rivers will flow now what that means is this so many people are trying their best to try to make themselves love jesus and get the rivers of love to flow but you can't chip an iceberg into a river but if you'll just bask in his beams he will melt you into a river And he will melt away your ability to resist him if you'll just go sit with him. You say, Eric, I just don't really want to sit with the Lord. When you sit there, you'll realize how wonderful it is. And this will cultivate an internal melting where he will win your love again and again by melting you. He will show you his sweetness and he will overtake you. So you can't chip an iceberg, that's so great, into a river. But you can, you can just bask in the beams and the rivers will begin to flow. You see, some people think that their efforts and their striving is gonna do it. It's not gonna do it. Only his face can do it. Listen, if the sun is not out, all the candles in the world won't make it day. But you have all kinds of people trying to make it day because the sun is not in his proper place. But if you put the sun in his proper place, you can't even see the candles anymore because the, bra- the rays of the divine will just take over your life. You know, it's, I was with my daughter one morning. We, we sat out to watch the sunrise, and this is where I'll close. We went out to watch the sunrise, and it was so beautiful. How many of you have ever been on, like, the west side, and you see the sun coming down on the ocean? Let me see. Well, I was over there with her, sitting there, so beautiful, purples, and those warm oranges and it glistening on the water. It was beautiful. And my daughter looks left and she looks right and she says something to me that hit me. She says, Daddy, it's so sad that no one came to see the sunrise this morning. And when she said this, I thought to myself, you know what's even sadder is that Jesus is radiant and beautiful every single day and so few people go out to meet him. Here He is, always beautiful for you, always longing for you, always longing to just hold you, just to be with you, desiring you more than you could ever imagine. And many of us, we just, we don't even go out to meet Him. But to those who believe, He is precious. So maybe you feel like your faith is really weak right now. And you know that because your desire for him is really weak right now. I pray that you would have what happened to David happen to you, where he becomes so preoccupied with God, it doesn't matter what's going on around him. He actually says in Psalm 119, he says, many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not turn aside. He's not denying that there's things coming against him. He's just saying, they're not worthy of my attention. There is no reason why you should ever look away, but there are a million reasons why you should not look away. It's keeping your heart set upon him is the key of all of this. So I want you to just just pray this with me. Say, put your hand on your heart and say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, give me a value of Jesus that evaporates thoughts of other people even the consideration of myself even my life security is meaningless next to you my future is trivial my whole life's work is forgotten next to you I choose a voluntary loss of all in worshiping you A limitless, supreme, single, yet wholehearted desire for Jesus. Not a value that rejects duties, but one that turns all things into gifts to you. I'm going to finish with this poem that I wrote. I felt the Lord told me to share it tonight. Marry me. Let me be all to thee. None can be what I can be. Give ears to hear and eyes to see. Thrill your soul with ecstasy. Fill your heart with joy and peace and make internal wars to cease and lift you above life's miseries. Open your eyes to mysteries and part to you my victories and love you now and endlessly and marry you eternally. I don't know about you, but I want to say to the Lord tonight fresh that I want to marry him which means I look to him to be my portion. It means that I look to him to give to me as I sleep, that I trust him enough to end my efforts and I would just enjoy him and have this wonderful and glorious wrapped relationship that refuses to turn to the left or to the right. Whether California falls into the heart of the sea or the earth splits up and people start falling in it i want to be able to enjoy jesus eric that sounds terrible (laughs) Reinhard bunke said to me one day you can live at the gate of hell and breathe the air of heaven this life is nothing it's almost over he's coming he's coming and the bride says come please come please I look for you. I long for you. To be with you is better than anything that can happen in this life. Praise God for all the things that are coming. I hope that things are good. But even if they're not, Jesus doesn't change. And the gospel has not shifted for anybody. It's still the answer. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at jesusimage.tv. Or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.